Come on, why don't we clap our hands again to the Lord and let's love him across this room right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Give honor to pastor this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to preach this pulpit to this great church family. If you have your Bible, I'll take you very quickly this morning to the book of Genesis, chapter number 1. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. Brother Cook, just so you'll know, I cried a little bit in that last song. He told me this morning, he said, we're singing your song. If you don't cry, I'm going to be upset. I'm an old soul. I know they, 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 they put this youth thing, you know, youth president and youth pastor, and you're supposed to be young, you're supposed to be in tune with, I'm not. I Google to figure out what most of your kids are saying to me. Because I don't understand the words they use now. And I never thought I'd be there. But I'm, thank you, thank you. But at least Google can tell me what they're saying. But I'm an old soul. Songs like the Crimson Stream of Blood. That just does something to me. In fact, I've got a song at the end of the message if I make it there. Depending on whether my wife has to go tend to our distraught child will determine whether I sing it or if I just say it. But I just, there's something about that song, it just resonates. I believe the Lord's going to do a wonderful work in this room today. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is already working, He's already moving, He's already ministering. And so what do you say we just yield everything we are and say, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life. Whatever you want to do in my family, whatever you want to do in this moment, God, I surrender everything I am to you. God, for I know that your word is able. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I wish I had something profound to preach to you this morning, but I have something very simple. So simple that I included that word in the title. I'd like to minister these three words to you this morning. Simply the word. Simply the word. Oh, could we clap our hands and lift our voices one more time to heaven? Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Words are the foundation block of communication, the catalyst of emotion, the expression of the feelings and the souls of men can be harnessed simply by words. There are those who often find themselves at a loss for words. And then there are those like my mother-in-law and all of the in-law side of my family who are never at a loss for words. 
In fact, my wife's side of the family has an abundance of words. There's never a drought of conversation when they're together. In fact, they have so much to say, they can't wait till the other person's done. We all talk at the same time. Now, my wife comes from a large family of, if you were in real colors the other week, orange family. They're all oranges. They're all extroverts. They're all full of personality. They all never lack for something to say. I'm not talking about my wife, folks. I'm talking about my in-laws. They never find themselves at all. In fact, they, they just, I mean, they talk and they talk. And then I, I come from a small family. I'm not the most extroverted person in the world. In fact, on that whole scale of personality, I am 12 on the scale of orange. I am not the guy who is going to be the life of the party. I'm the guy who's going to love people and read a book. And if you need me, just come find me. But I will never forget the first time I went to our first family event together. My family's kind of quiet. My dad's real quiet. In fact, my whole family is quiet. Not my in-laws. I used to come home late from curfew when my wife and I were, were dating, and my dad would say, son, what have you been doing? It was, my, it was my mother-in-law. I would tell him, dad, it wasn't me. She wouldn't stop talking. And my dad, in the beginning, he said, now, son, don't you lie to me. I said, dad, I'm not lying to anybody. Then he met my mother-in-law, and he apologized to me. There are people who are just never at a loss of words. Then there are those of us that words are a little bit more challenging. I'm one of those that there are days words are just hard. They don't all come out right. Simple words. Pronunciation's a killer. It'll sneak up on you. That's why I just prefer to speak because punctuation's even more of a killer than pronunciation. There are those days that pronunciation, my two-year-old has pronunciation that far surpasses mine. We've learned a new word at our house this week, kangaroo. It sounds nothing like that. In fact, I never knew kangaroo started with the letter D. But we always put emphasis on roo. It's our favorite part of the word. There are days that my two-year-old's pronunciation of words and ability to communicate surpass mine because sometimes words are just hard. It's hard to express how you feel. It's hard to express what you're thinking. It's hard to put in words what's happening. Sometimes life happens, and you just can't find the right word. You, you're grasping for it. You're trying to describe it. You're trying to detail out it, but, but you just can't find the words. Can I stand on this Sunday morning and remind you that 
in the midst of circumstances that you may not be able to verbalize and express. There is one who's never at a loss for the right words. He never says the wrong thing. He always speaks a word fitly spoken. There is one who no matter the situation knows the perfect word. In moments of weakness, his word is perfect to renew strength and restore hope. And I stand on a Sunday morning to remind you that with simply the word... Situations can change. Families can be made whole. Minds can be put at peace. And your spirit brought back to life. It is the impact of simply the word. It is the book of Genesis that gives a glimpse into the first words that are uttered by God himself. The first words that we are privy to occur within the first three verses of your Bible. And they are spoken not into perfect situations. The words that he speaks, the first words of God that we are privy to are not spoken into a pristinely conditioned world. But they are spoken into a world that is without form and void. And darkness covers the earth. I began reading a book, Brother Dennis, from a colleague of yours at Urshan. They put out a book called First Words, Fitly Spoken. And it goes in and analyzes the first words that are spoken of certain characters in the Bible. Because there, in those first words, is given a glimpse into their nature and into their character. If this is true... What more fitting words could give us a glimpse into the nature of God than him speaking into darkness and void and chaos and saying, let there be light. What more could give us a glimpse into the nature and the power of God than when simply his word burst forth on the scene to bring order into chaos and to bring light into darkness and to bring something out of nothing. Oh, I don't know of any better way to summarize the work of God than he can speak in darkness and bring light, than he can speak to nothing and form something, that he can speak in chaos and bring order. I don't know what gives you any better glimpse of what God wants to do in your world and in this church and in our city than to look at the first three words, let there be. no greater place to find a glimpse into the nature of the Almighty than the first words of creation. It's from these simple words we glean insight into the nature and divine ability of God. It is from this simple setting it is revealed to us the nature of our God who speaks to things that are void and lacking of direction. Lacking of substance. And he puts into motion his plan. Can I remind you on a Sunday morning that your situation doesn't have to be perfect and your circumstance not ideal for God to speak and to begin to work where you are. I'm afraid that sometimes we think there's some kind of 
prerequisite to a word of God that we've got to have some exuberant faith in order for God to speak where we are. We've got to have this pristine order of things that happen and check the boxes before God can speak to us. But can I tell you, God speaks into nothing and God creates something. God speaks into darkness and God brings forth light. God moves in the midst of chaos and he brings order and it's no different today. Simply the word will work. Can't imagine a more revealing statement than this of Genesis to show the nature of God. What more could better align with the nature of the one who said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. What could give more clarity to the divine nature of the one whom John said, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shine in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. It's from the beginning of the scripture that we are shown the power of simply the word. His word works in darkness. His word works in the void. And let me remind you today that his word works in your life. The remainder of the account of Genesis lends itself to the infallible truth of his word. For by his word everything that was made is made. But even greater than that, everything that he set in motion endures. Sure, God has the power to speak in the creative order. But the word of God is more than just creation. It sustains and it endures. And it's long lasting. And when God begins to speak into your situation and into your circumstance, when God begins to speak right where you are, it does not just happen and then fade into the backdrop of your life. No, that word is quick and it's powerful. It is alive and it's active. And as long as your ears are attentive to hear him, his voice is able to speak and to form and to create and to work and to endure. Oh, why don't we clap our hands to the Lord right now and love him? The word is an enduring word. Certainly it's a creative word. But the psalmist says it. Perhaps best when he writes in Psalms 119.89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. There's no circumstance that changes the ability of a simple word of God. There is no chaos, no trouble, no time of test that is able to alter the what the simple word of God can do. Can I tell you that everything that he has ever proclaimed, we can have. 
Every promise of his word is not withholding from us. But oh, it is an enduring word that if we would lay hold by faith to the word of God through obedience, we can find ourselves experiencing the same power and the same breakthrough and the same direction and the same empowerment that the word has given throughout decades of time. It remains today. There will never be a season in which his word will not endure. There'll never be a circumstance in which you consult the word and find it inadequate for your season. There'll never be a problem in which you turn to the word and find that there's no answer. No, there's an answer to every trial and to every test and to every season. There's a promise and there's a strength and there's an enduring hope. It endures in every season and every hardship. It is an anchor for the soul. It is forever settled. It is simply the word. Simply the word. The light-giving, enduring, powerful word. God there's no error here regardless of what the opinions of the secular society would tell you there is no error here this word is perfect this word is alive this word is living this word does an eternal work Can I tell you there's nothing missing here? It's a perfect word. It does a perfect work. There's nothing here that's called into question. It is forever settled. And when the flower fades and when the earth is no more, there is one thing that will yet remain. It will remain true. It will remain a light to the darkened paths of men. It will still be a hope. It will still be strength. It will still be true. It will remain in the midst of fading fads and trends. It will remain in the midst of circumstance and season. Simply the word. Romans describes it like this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believed, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I've already referenced it, but Paul says it and sums it up very well in Hebrews 4 and 12. When he said, for the word of God is quick. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. His word is powerful. It's alive. It's able to work in the lives and in the hearts of men. It works in the thoughts of men and the hearts of men to bring about that which is pleasing and obedient to God. 
Scripture is not absent of the incredible impact of simply the word. Your New Testament is filled with stories. Old Testament filled with collage of pictures of what happens when God simply speaks. Stories that did not hinge on men having great strength, perfect pedigrees, are the greatest thoughts, are the greatest ideas, are the greatest plans. Stories of famine that were not ended by man's ingenuity. It was simply the word. Droughts that were not fixed by man's ability, but simply the word. Healing transpired to the servant of the centurion. And it was nothing to do with how great a faith or how great a a situation. It, It had nothing to do with the centurion's ability. It had everything to do with his ability to believe in the power of a simple word. A simple word. When he looked at Jesus and he said, if you will, but speak the word. I know it's sufficient for the sickness of my servant. Can I tell you on a Sunday morning, you don't have to have perfect strength. You don't have to map out the most incredible plan. All you need to do is take the word at face value. The word at face value works. The word at face value still heals. The word at face value still delivers. It still redeems. It still restores. It still gives hope. I don't have to add anything to it. Sometimes we get perplexed in our mind thinking that that just a simple word is not enough. Surely there's got to be some action. Surely there's got to be something I have to do. Something that has got to receive. Ah, The only thing you need is an ear to hear and a heart to obey. God will handle the rest. But if you look at it from the context and from the beginning of Genesis, for some reason, the adversary is always called into question the word. And he's always caused man to have some feeling that something needed to be added there. Ask Adam. He didn't believe the word was enough to keep Eve from the tree. So instead of quoting to her what God said, he said, don't touch it. He added just a little bit to it. Because surely if I just add this, it'll make it more impactful. Can I tell you there's nothing that we can add to this. There's nothing that we can detract from this. It is perfect and it works just like it is. It works in every season. It works in all darkness. It works in despair. It works in hopelessness. It works every time. Simply the word. 
preach to the young people Wednesday night. Musicians can come. I'm closing very quickly. I preached to the youth department Wednesday night in the book of Revelation where the Lord addresses the church of Philadelphia. We love when he addresses Philadelphia because he describes this great door. But oftentimes, if if we're truthful, we think that great doors open in seasons of great strength. When everything's right up here where it should be, that's when doors open. That's when the miraculous happens. That's when God steps in. It's got to be right here. Because surely on those days when faith is dragging the ground, that's, that, that's not. No, 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 no. He looks at Philadelphia and he says, there's a great door. He said, it's open to you because you have little strength. But then he goes on. Let me just share that with you because I feel it in the Holy Ghost and I'm going to pull it all back together in just a moment. Here's what he says. Revelations 3, 7, and 8. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia write these things, saith he that is holy and true, hath the key of David, he that opened and no man shut, and shut and no man's open. He said, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. That's a Sunday night text. But then if you look at it, and if you look at it in the context of Bible quizzers, there's this wonderful colon right here creates a really good space for a why. There's a door that's open no man can shut. Why? Because you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Great doors are not open because you have great strength. Great doors are not even open because you have the greatest idea or plan. If you want to know what opens the doors of the Spirit in the lives of men, He tells you, You've kept my word and you've not denied my name. Doors of the Spirit are opened out of faithfulness, obedience, and consecration. They're not open because you're strong enough. They're not open because you got it right. They're not open because you're perfect. They're not open because you get it. No, 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 no. They're open because you're faithful and because you're obedient and because you're consecrated. Because the Word... The word is enough. The word is enough. If it was enough to speak into darkness and bring forth light, then the word is enough to speak into your lost family and shine the light of the gospel. If the word was enough to speak into chaos and nothing form and bring order, then it's enough to speak into the trouble of your mind and bring peace. what the word requires is obedience 
faithfulness and consecration. Because faithfulness, faithfulness doesn't say how. Faithfulness says him. Faithfulness is not looking for how God is going to do it. Faithfulness just trust in him. Obedience. Obedience doesn't say, well, if. No, obedience says, I will. If you want to know what simple obedience to the word does, ask Abraham. Called out of a land of idols. Not a whole lot there. But oh, what happens when a man is faithful and when a man is obedient? What does it do? It opens the door for God to do incredible things in your world. Where you going, Abraham? I don't know. But I'm going to obey. What's the plan, Abraham? Surely he gave you a detailed list of of how you're going to be a father of many nations because, you know, all of us back home, we we know y'all hadn't been able to have kids for decades. I don't know what the plan is. I'm just going to walk with him. Every day I'm going to walk with him. Every time he asks something of me, I'll give it to him. Why would you do it, Abraham? Because the word is enough. And at his word, miracle after miracle, direction after direction, strength after strength is found after those simple words. At his word. If you want to know how the water pots turn to wine, at his word. If you want to know how the prophet got direction, at his word. If you want to know how God did this and how miracles came, at his word. He doesn't need your great strength. He just needs your great obedience. He doesn't need our great intellect. He just needs our faithfulness. He doesn't need us to map it all out. He just needs us to be consecrated enough not to abandon the process midstream. He just needs us to be consecrated enough that when trouble comes and when the adversary calls this into question, that we're consecrated enough to say, no, I trust the word. The oneness is essential. The doctrine is the truth. This way, this word, this light, I can't live without. I wish we would lift up our hands across this room right now. I told you I used to, I told you at the beginning I would try to figure out if I was going to sing this or read it, so I done messed you guys all up. We used to sing an old song. I love that song. Sometimes I wander around singing old stuff, so it's just me. We used to sing an old song 
Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know thus saith the Lord Jesus Jesus how I oh how I trust him how I oh would you just let that sweep over this sanctuary right now come on you don't have to have it all together just trust the word You don't have to know the answer. Just trust the word. You don't have to get it all right. Just trust the word. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Jesus, Jesus, how? Come on, this altar is open. Come on, if you just need the word to wash over you today, there's a washing of the word. If you need hope today, why don't you come anchor yourself in the word? It is the hope and the life of men. Oh, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. 